Welcome to Iron Rhetoric with your intrepid host, Pastor Brett McAtee. Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet that scaffold sways the future, and behind the dim unknown, standeth God within the shadow, keeping watch above his own. And it's Casey Kasem, and we're counting down to the greatest hits of Andy Sandlin. Here's one. I'm just going to contrast it with another one. And by by contrasting Sandlin's quote with uh, John Jay, the first uh, head, the chief of the Supreme Court, when we contrast these two quotes, I won't have to say any more. Here's what Andy said, quote, Not race or place, but ideas have always been at the root of what it means to be an American, unquote. Um, this was certainly not true of the founders, it only became true when the criminal proto-Marxist Lincoln fundamentally changed the definition of America. We wondered, does Salem even know American history? According to Andy, John Jay was not a real American. Uh, here we're going to quote. We're going to quote John Jay. We're just going to leave it there. But before we do, we're going to quote again one simple sentence by Salem, so you can see the contrast. Salem says, "Not race or place." but ideas have always been at the root of what it means to be an American, unquote. Yet John Jay could say in Federalist Number 2, quote, with equal pr- pleasure, I have as often taken notice that Providence has been pleased to give this one connected country to one united people, a people descended from the same ancestors, speaking the same language, professing the same religion, attached to the same principles of government, very similar in their manners and customs, and who by their joint counsels, arms, and efforts, fighting side by side through a long and bloody war, have nobly established general liberty and independence, unquote. Now you tell me, do you believe Andy Sandlin, that America's always been about ideas, which is, again, the notion of propositional nationhood, or do you agree with John Jay, who is basically telling us that America has always been about blood and soil? Right? Now, I know that people get creeped out by the phrase boot and boden or blood and soil, um, but that's what John Jay is saying. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it except as it gets twisted from those who hate Christianity. Continue to count down with Andy Sandlin quotes. Here he does his best uh, Franz Boas impersonation. We thank you, Andy, for stepping up to the mic and telling us who you are. Uh, This is from October of 2022 and I posted it. A quote from Andy. Any idea of Christian nationhood that includes opposition to racial intermarriage or support for racial purity is pagan, not Christian. Christ's gospel kingdom advance demands the homogenization of, homogenization of peoples. Union with Christ means disunion with pagan distinctions. Now get that again. I'm read part of that again. Christ's gospel kingdom advance demands the homogenization of peoples. So Andy's telling us that if you're a Christian, then it really is the case that all colors must bleed into one. And if you're opposed 
to that homogenization of peoples, then you're opposed to Christ. You're a, you're a pagan. When one wonders if the end of the anti-Kinist movement is mandatory homogeneity, um, doesn't that kind of prove the Kinist points that races and peoples really do exist? I mean, if you're going to say that we have to have the end of that existence, then you're saying, oh, well, I, I, it's something that really exists. So this is what we're dealing with in the Christian community. We're dealing with people um, that are more Martin Luther King than they are Jesus Christ. Uh, we're dealing with people who have swallowed the civil rights agenda from the 1960s, not realizing how influenced it was um, by Marxist categories, and we're embracing um, we're embracing uh, basically communism, Marxism. We're continuing now with looking at um, different quotes. We're counting down the whole Casey Kasem bit. Here's one. Um, I listen to all of these, but this one I would rather, I would say I'd rather be rubbed raw with sandpaper and bathed in an acid bath and to take seriously Andy Sandlin. Here's a quote, quote, many of us godly Christian husbands could never be sexual egalitarians because, because we know that in most matters women are superior to men. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm not going to argue here that men are superior to women. What I am going to argue is that men are superior to women at being men and women are superior to men at being women. And that's, that's all that needs to be said um, with the recognition that in God's economy, God has placed, has placed man as the head of the home. And the scripture says that, that woman was made for man and not man for woman. Um, so, I, I, you know, it may be the case that Andy doesn't really believe this, that he's just being cucked and he's going for the cucked vote. Uh, he's white knighting it. Uh, he's trying to impress the women because, again, women are the ones that tend uh, to be the followers when it comes to these kind of ministry movements. Masculine men, by and large, don't want anything to do with the church today because they see it as, as effeminate as it is. And uh, this is one example of the effeminacy that we're seeing uh, within the Reformed community. Here's the next one we're counting down. There are only two races about which the Bible is concerned, the race of the first Adam and the race of the second Adam. And yet compare that, and that's from Andy Sandlin, by the way, and compare that with what Abraham Kuyper book, uh, said in his book Calvinism. He said, quote, from the highlands of Asia, a human race came down in groups, and these in turn have been divided into races and nations. And in entire conformity to the prophetic blessing of Noah, the children of Shem and of Japheth have been the sole bearers of the development of the race. No impulse for any higher life has ever gone forth from the third group. If you're going to throw stones, throw them at Kuiper. I'm just quoting Kuiper here, okay? But I would rather you throw stones at Sandlin who wants to say and communicate um, that there are no, there's only two races, the, the race of the first Adam, the race of the second Adam. And yet we just heard a quote where Sandlin wanted to, was insisting that Christianity makes for homogeneity. But if there are only two races, then how can we have, how can we have homogeneity? 
because homogeneity implies what? Multiple races. These people like talk out of both sides of their mouths and then out out of other orifices as well. All right, here's another one from May the 1st. Remember, this is a Casey Kasem's top countdown, top 40. We're not going to have time for 40, but we're giving some of some of the really good ones that I've come across. These are the ones I just the ones I've come across. I mean, I'm not I don't I don't spend all my time reading Andy Sandlin. Prom, I promise you, right? But these are the ones that I come across, maybe I'll hear in on something on uh, Pocket College in a lecture or maybe somebody somebody will say something uh to me or they'll send something to me. Um so this is how I end up having so many quotes um from Andy Sandlin. Here it is. Uh, racism with his kissing cousin kinism has deep roots in ancient paganism. The gospel universalizes. Racism tribalizes. And yet Paul could say, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my kinsmen, my own flesh and blood. The thing here is when when Sandlin says the gospel universalizes and racism tribalizes, he has given up the many in Trinitarian thinking for the one. So he's all one with no many. He doesn't see how the one and one and the many complement each other. And that's what that's what Kinnis, as part of what Kinnis try to communicate is that their view is Trinitarian. They're holding on to the idea that there is one race, the human race, that's true, but there's also a plurality in races. Um that come in these different expressions, uh, however you want to slice it up. Some say three, some will say four races. However you slice it up, there's still a one-on-many principle that's going on, but Sandlin has given it up for kind of a Unitarian thinking um, when it comes to the application of this. And by his own quote, he's, he's saying that the Apostle Paul was a tribalist, and yet who went further and did more to take the gospel more places than the Apostle Paul. Here's another one. Counting down, Casey Kasem. Uh, quote, cultural Marxists, the newest new left, and progressives are all committed to linguistic imperialism, commandeering language for the purpose of atheistic social transformation. Examples include toxic masculinity, white privilege, heteronormativity, systemic racism, pro-choice, intersectionality, people of color, TERF, which means trans-exclusionary radical feminism, people who menstruate, black lives matter, gender fluidity, homophobia, transphobia, transsexuality, and they for he or him. In postmodernity, words have the power to reshape reality. And this revolutionary assault on language is one of the most pernicious weapons in, in the arsenal of militant social atheism. Oppose it and expose it at all costs. Now, we'll say here that this analysis is quite, is quite good, taken by itself. However, the problem here is that Salen and these other posts that we look, have looked at condemns the only solution to this problem with his condemnation of Christian nationalism and kinism. There'll be no success in opposing all this if one also forswears the only thing that can defeat it. 
And the only thing that can defeat all of this that Sandlin just defines, rightly so, the only thing that can defeat it is having a biblical, kinist, Christian mindset. As Gary North used to say, you can't be something, you can't beat something with nothing. And nothing is precisely what Sandlin offers us. Sandlin says, on one hand, don't be a cultural Marxist here in this quote. But at the same time, in other quotes, Sandlin says, don't be a Christian nationalist. But these are the only options. Unless somebody could, I'd love to hear somebody write in, because I've asked this question often. If you're not going to be a Christian internationalist, and if you're not going to be a cultural Marxist, and if you're not going to be a Christian nationalist, then what other choices are left? I, 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 I'd really love to know if there are other options. But these are the only options, Andy, and as such, you're nothing but a walking contradiction even when you get half the equation right. So we can salute what Andy has to say in this particular quote I just gave in the countdown, but the, 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 the thing that drives you mad is that when you compare that to everything else he said and you think, wait a minute, how can you do that? How can you say this here and then turn around and say this here? And it's like uh, Gordon Haddon Clark used to say, a contradictory thinking or is a trolley horse between the ears. Um, and that's so much of what we're getting uh, today in so many quarters is contradictions. Here's another one counting down. The idea that Christians must capture political power to impose the faith by the sword is, of course, contra-biblical. We would say here to this, it's perfectly legit for Christians to believe that they must capture political power. There's nothing wrong with that. And as I said earlier, and now I'm kind of covering some same ground here, but I know of no Christian who thinks they can impose conversion by the sword. However, there's no reason to think that having magistrates impose God's law, law order by a sword is somehow displeasing to our Lord Christ. Right? So if the sword has to be used in order to implement God's law order, then we ought not to be shy about that, just like the pagan isn't shy about using the sword in order to create his law order. You think, you think the sons of Allah and their Islam, Islamic states are shy to use the sword to maintain Islam? So here together we see Andy's running together some thoughts that are not contra-biblical with some thoughts that might be contra-biblical. Again, it's that contradiction factor that we talk about. There's another one, counting down. The great divisions among humanity are never racial, so says Andy. Asian, black, Hispanic, white, sexual man or woman, economic, rich or poor, geographic, urban, rural, intellectual, educated, uneducated, or national, east or west, but ethical, covenant keeper, covenant breaker. The great strategy of a rebellious man is to posit division anywhere but the ethical. Here we would note the fact that the great division, religiously speaking, is between covenant breakers and covenant keepers in no way diminishes other distinctions. The fact that these very real distinctions are turned into divisions is indeed the consequences of sin as it introduces a conflict of interest motif vis-a-vis -vis a harmony of interest motif that one finds in the Christian faith. However, this does not mean that the distinctions turn into irrelevant realities upon conversions. Upon conversion, men remain men and women remain women. Upon conversion, the different races remain the different races, and the different socioeconomic classes remain the different socioeconomic classes. One doesn't get extra IQ points simply because one converts. 
if a person has who's has an 85 IQ when they convert, they're going to have an 85 IQ after they convert. And so distinctions remain between the educated and the uneducated. Because all this is so, we would have to say that the great strategy of the stupid and rebellious man is to try and make these distinctions go away by blaming those who take these realities seriously as being rebellious. Can us understand these distinctions exist? Can us understand that, religiously speaking, the great division is ethical? However, can us do not go all Gnostic by just suggesting that once a covenant breaker becomes a, a covenant keeper because of regeneration, that therefore all the nature categories that was true about that person prior to conversion are no longer true after conversion. We do not believe that grace destroys nature. It's exactly what those like Sandlin and these many quotes that we've been seeing teach. And he says it over and over again. Continue to count down, Casey Kasem style. You remember Casey Kasem, right? Tell me you remember Casey Kasem. I know that you all out there have to remember Casey Kasem. It hasn't been that long since Casey's been gone. Uh, here's a quote from our Andy Sandlin stockpile. Quote, so I think the moment we have now, because it doesn't recognize godly globalism, and I think we need to make that point, the problem is not globalism. The problem is anti-Christian, anti-biblical globalism. <sighs> this one is really arresting um, because it suggests, it hints at the idea that you could have a new world order um, if only it was done by Christians, and then that would be acceptable. Um, this is like the Tolkien work. I think I've, I've mentioned this before. We're fighting against Sauron, um, who's famous for mixing uh, elves with orcs, um, who's, who hates everything that is, that is living. Um, we're fi- that's what we're fighting. And then Andy Sandlin comes along and says, hey, let's be Saruman. We can do that. And so he wants to fight against Sauron, but he wants to do it as Saruman the White or Saruman of many colors, as Tolkien um, brings out. Uh, he wants a globalism, but he wants a Christian globalism. And I would only offer, uh, if you're, there's no such thing as a Christian globalism, um, unless you're going to talk about uh, nations confederated together to honor Christ. In other words, globalism implies um, the erasure of nations. And Scripture over and over and over and over again even to Revelation 21, teaches that you have nations. Indeed, when you get to Revelation 21, um, it's not the church you find in the New Jerusalem, but what is it that you find? You find Christian nations. Now, again, the church is there because each nation, of course, is an expression of the church. Um, But there in Revelation 21, it's not the church that's coming in. It's the nations. That's what's said. That's the language that's used. It's the ethne. Um, Now, of course, we understand that those nations are churched. That is, um, they have come in underneath the authority of Christ, but they're they're confederated. Um, It's a confederated globalism, each nation still existing, but pledging allegiance to Christ. 
So we would say to Andy, there's no such thing as a Christ, uh, Christian globalism if by that you mean a Saruman type of globalism that fights Sauron. Uh, the problem is indeed globalism, and that is because it's not possible for globalism to be anything but antichrist. Uh, it, can you imagine a globalism that seeks to, what we have now, that seeks to meld all colors into one, that seeks to erase all boundaries, that seeks to move people from uh, sub-Saharan Africa into white Europe? Can you imagine Christianity, that being an expression of Christianity? No. So, again, this betrays or belies, we should say, the confusion that you find, um, not only in Sandlin, but most of, most of, actually, most of reformadom today is involved in this kind of confusion. Maybe what I should have done tonight, instead of giving all these Sandlin quotes, is to mix them up with uh, quotes from other people who are well-platformed. Um, because these things, again, I, know, I said this earlier, these, these, this type of thinking, these types of ideas, they're really not that uncommon uh, anymore among our platform uh, community. Here's another one in our countdown. Quote, Christian nationalism sees the current contest with the left as a political battle, and that is a dangerous miscalculation. And, and so, again, Andy is foisting upon us what we see. That is us Christian nationalists. Um, he's saying that we see it all as a political battle, suggesting that we don't realize that theology precedes culture, which precedes politics. Um, Again, this is a miscalculation on his part. Um, he has uniquely defined Christian nationalism, and having uniquely defined it, he's now foisting it upon every expression of Christian nationalism um, that is out there at this time. And uh, that's a Whitman sampler of uh, Andy Sandlin thinking. Now, again, understand there are things that Sandlin can say that I would salute. I think we even gave a couple of those uh, in these past couple episodes. Um, but even when he gets it right, because he's gotten it wrong so often on, uh, in the same venue or the same way, at the best, he's doing uh, contradictory thinking. And so if he's got contra contradictory thinking going on, how could you possibly know which way the man is tacking or how could you possibly know what he really believes he, for that matter? He may not even know what he really believes. I, you know, I don't know. Um, all I know is that when it comes, when it comes to this issue of Christian nationalism, uh, when it comes to the issue of patriarchy, we lost, we looked at one of those quotes when it comes to the issue of uh, kinism and all these things are very closely cheek by jowl. They imply one another when it comes to these issues, we're living in a time that is a royal mess. Uh, and we're not going to get out of this until we start pointing out, or brave enough to point out, um, the mess for what it is. Um, and so it's good for all people, I, I should probably round off by saying too, this is, not, uh, this is not me sitting here saying that only the white man is going to profit from this. No, it's my absolute conviction that if we get this right, then all peoples, all people groups, all races will profit from thinking rightly about these issues. 
if we don't think rightly about it, then they're all going to be damaged and they're all going to be hurt. And so it really is something that's being charitable towards all peoples um, and it's being charitable towards biblical Christianity. So we thank you for listening to Iron Inc. Thank you for uh, the Casey Kasem countdown, some of the big hits of Andy Sandlin. I'm sure I've only scratched the surface here. He's been around for a long time. And if you're thinking about holding a conference, please don't ask Andy Sandlin to speak. Right? I wish I could recommend somebody to speak. But anyway, don't ask him. God's blessings and good night. Thank you for joining us this week. Look for us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. And while you're there, leave us a positive five-star review. Don't you know she could bring a good feeling ain't had in such a long time? Save my life, I'm going down.